Welcome to Ojibwe Stories Gaganunida. I'm your host, Eric Reddix. Our guest today is Nancy Jones, a respected elder from Nigagunt Siminikonig First Nation near Fort Francis, Ontario. She has worked for many years as a teacher and cultural advisor for schools and language revitalization programs in Ontario, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Everything we see sees us, mm-hmm. hears us. We're connected with the, the earth, we're connected with the water, the rock. That's why we have to be careful of how we use these things. We don't just pick up a rock for no reason. We have to have a good reason for picking it up. Maybe it's for the sweat or maybe it's for your smudging. Okay. But you got to talk to that rock. you got to tell them, this is why I'm taking you home for. I'm going to use you to heal with you. Huh. So as the trees, we don't knock them down just for no reason. If we're going to take medicine off the tree, we'll talk to the tree and this is how I'm going to use you to heal my whatever mm-hmm. I'm ailing. So likewise... We're not supposed to throw rocks, right? Like little kids, if they... That's what they say. I'm, I know I did it. <laughs> so those... <laughs> we used to tease each other, my sister and I. This is how many boyfriends you're going to have. This is how many times you're going to be married. This is how many kids you're going to have. But we, you know, kids will do things. But they should know about it. You know, what are they going to listen or not? They, kids don't listen much. But later on, as they grow up, they start to remember these stories. Mm-hmm. And then they teach their children the same way. So even like when kids grab rocks, is that a bad thing? Just tell them to put his tobacco down. Mm-hmm. Tell them mm-hmm. that um, talk to the rock, I'm going to take you home. I do that. Mm-hmm. I take a rock if it's nice. Ooh, what a nice rock. I'm going to take this home. But here's tobacco. I'm, I'm going to take you home with me. Sometimes kids will do things and later on it comes to realize why. Mm-hmm. You were meant to have this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh. It comes into the, as, as they get to be an adult. Like when they say, when you find a megis, that means you're meant to go to the spirit lodge. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things out there we don't really understand, but we want to understand. But um, if I find a megis today, I wouldn't throw it away. Mm-hmm. I would keep it until I know why. So likewise, just on the topic of these teachings that we have, um, we're not supposed to whistle at night, or is that a... That's another thing for me anyway. That's some of the things that my grandmother always told me. Don't whistle at night. And sometimes I would ask why. Because your ancestors are out there. And if you whistle, she might come and get you and take you back with her. And that's just the way to get my attention. And probably won't happen. But to a little kid, you want to tell them enough to be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I know it's not what it means. But uh, it's uh, the respect of the ancestors, I think. And then uh, whistling at the northern lights. That's another thing she used to say that, like I said, she was really, really rough with her stories. The spirits up there are dancing. Our ancestors are dancing. That's what you see out there. Don't whistle at them. They might come down and pick you up and take you with them. Just yeah. like that. If I say that to a kid today, I would, I'd probably have a children's services come up to me. <laughs> you were threatening my child. But I didn't take it that way when I was... As I, I know she wanted to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And the same thing when, it, when we get cooler here finally, uh, snow. Kids aren't necessarily supposed to throw the snow and things like that. Or I don't know. I was told... Uh, Whenever the first snowfall, go out there and grab a handful of snow and wash your face with it 
and saying, Bonjour, Michel, Miss. Hello, Grandfather. I'm glad to see you again. It's like your grandfather's kissing you when you wash your face with it mm -hmm. and welcoming the grandfather for being with us again for mm -hmm. a few months. Uh, we use those snowballs all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In, there are uh, a lot of stories with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you might hear a lot more right. different ways. No one's right. No one's wrong. They're right. all their right. own stories. They're all right to me. They're not wrong. They're all right. Hmm. It may be different than the way you heard somebody else talk about. I was wondering if you could circle back then to something that we talked about last time. You told mm -hmm. the story about going with your dad to hunt caribou, but you guys paddled all night. Mm -hmm. And you kind of made this joke about the game warden not catching up. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that era and what it was like for Ojibwe people to hunt and fish, to make their living. Were there laws, like there were here, that Ojibwe's couldn't go off the reservation and do that yeah, stuff? That, or? That's recent, well, not too long ago. Before I was married, probably in before 50, my father was always afraid of Kim Warden, he called him. So we did a hunting at night. Huh. We did uh, get our food at night. It was a moose that we caught that night. He was always um, afraid of something. I don't know. I, I don't really know the story why he was afraid. Right. I don't know if somebody got caught or... But that's what he said, Kim Warden's. Kim Warden, he called him. So we go hunting at night, and then he'd get uh, something moose, a deer, then we paddle all night to go to the nearest little town, which is Rainier, mm -hmm. to go exchange some food. But what he did was when he caught that moose, he did a little ceremony, a little quick ceremony mm -hmm. right there, put tobacco down and talk to the night spirits, I guess, so nothing will catch up to us, nothing will see us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we paddled all night and paddled back again, that's, I don't know, probably a three-hour one-way. Because he was always afraid that someone's going to see us during the day. But uh, by the time daylight comes, we'll be cooking the meat. So, But they never did bother us. I don't huh. know where you got that theory from, that <laughs> someone's going to come and take our meat away. I never even saw them. Huh. They must have been on a boat or something. But for him, that was his fear that he Morton's going to come and <laughs> take our canoes away, our guns away or whatever. But I didn't see it happen. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'd done it after that. I went hunting during the day, and I, w I was caught a few times, but um, I always had my way of my kids are hungry, my kids need moccasins for the hide, you know. Huh. Just a story that you, you're not abusing. You have a good reason for catching that deer or moose. So it's better now. If my dad right. was alive today, he wouldn't have believed it that I shot a moose during the day. <laughs> <laughs> So it was just different then as far as the legal status or you kind of had to explain yourself as opposed to today where things are kind of recognized? Yeah, and legal status and is good, but me, when I was caught, I was off my territory. Right. But still, I have, uh, to me, the whole Ontario is right. a Treaty 3 area. Yep. But even though lots of people call it it's uh, Crown Land. Mm -hmm. But I said, no, it, this might be Crown Land, but this is still Treaty 3, and here's yep. my card, I'm a Treaty 3 member, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just talked my way out, and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not lying, I'm, I believe in doing things on my land. No one should jail me for looking for food. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> back then, you said you used to go out with your dad and then you'd come back and exchange. So that was kind of like how you got the necessities or it was kind of through exchange? or See, It was uh, how we got our food, you know, the food that we could keep you know, without refrigeration, like flour, yeah. oatmeal, macaroni, baking powder, lard, whatever, coffee, tea, something that uh, we never had eggs. We didn't keep them long. We ate them right away. Four mm-hmm. eggs spoiled. But that's how we used to uh, exchange food. With giving them our food, they, everybody liked deer most during the summertime. I was wondering if you could talk about the importance of that first kill ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Whoever it is, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, when you get something for the first time, you have that special ceremony. We had two girls on our reserve that cut fish for the first time. They're, I think they might be three years old. And then we had a special ceremony for them. Their dad was there too. So it's just an honor of um, giving thanks to the Creator for letting me have this food for the first time. And whoever talks to the into the ceremony honors the fish or whatever, the animal. There will be a lot more of this for me to get. I shall share that food with uh, people that are hungry or the, the people that they cannot get into the bush to do their own hunting like elders. It's a pledge you make with the Creator. You will share that food as you get it. That's what we did out there. and They cook up the, the two noises. We all shared. Hmm. My friend and I, the other elder, we all went to celebrate with them. <laughs> hmm. It's an honor to me and to the first kill and to the animal when right. you do these things. It's honoring them. May I get more of that. You give me more of this when I do this. It's just a way of getting food and getting more food. Right. Kind of like we were talking about uh, before too, just that respect for animals. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. They Because they yeah. gave up their life for us so we right. can eat and yep. that's why we show respect to them. Put the bones back in the bush, put the bones back in the water or wherever the animal happens to live. I think you mentioned that before, too. It's important for, like, fish. We're supposed to put those bones back in the water that they might come back. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's the way my grandmother talked. Another yep. one's going to swim away from there, she yep. said. And then when you put the bones back in the bush, another deer is going to get up mm-hmm. from there. So she really believed those things, and, and I believe what she told me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ojibwe Stories Gaganunanida, a program of Ojibwe culture. Our guest today is Nancy Jones, a respected elder from Nigagunt Siminikonig First Nation near Fort Francis, Ontario. She has worked for many years as a teacher and cultural advisor for schools and language revitalization programs in Ontario, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. On the YouTube channel, you had this question, and, and I, I just wanted to ask you here about that. About I think somebody had asked this question about what's the traditional Ojibwe religion? If you could answer, answer that question again. I think what a was the question? It was basically like, you know, what was the Ojibwe traditional religion? It was just like a basic question. But I think for a lot of our non-natives and even some, mm-hmm. you know, native listeners, they, they're they kind of confused about that or they think like... What is Ojibwe religion? Yeah, or they're confused about the day and, 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 and okay. if that's everything. Yeah, so if you can maybe address that as you understand it, kind of help our listeners a little bit. For me, my, my religion... When I was young, when I went to the hospital, the doctor asked me, what's your religion? I said, Ojibwe, or you're not status, you're Protestant, you don't have a religion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, I study it and 
My religion is uh, my spirit name, my clan, and where I come from. That's my religion. When I go to a power, I'm practicing my, my religion, my beliefs in a culture. And I get um, medicine from the bush. Sometimes I don't need to go to the doctor because I have my own pharmacy right in the bush. And that's my religion. I believe in my religion. My spirit name has a meaning to it. My clan has a purpose for having that clan. Mm -hmm. And that's my religion as Anishinaabe. I was born on this earth. I did not come from somewhere else. I was born right here and I'm connected to the earth here. I'm connected with all the living things around me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I believe my religion. I guess I do practice it every day as I, as I do things like some people might go to church every Sunday. Right. I might go to a power maybe three, four times a year, mm -hmm. and that's honoring my, my religion. Mm -hmm. I put on my jingle dress, I carry my feather, my eagle fan, that's me, that's, mm -hmm. my, that's my religion, that's the best way I can explain why. Mm -hmm. I don't have to uh, practice it, well, maybe I do practice it every day, but especially when I go to the power, I go walk around in the bush, I talk to the trees, and I talk to the rocks, I talk to the water, I put my tobacco down. Because that's who I am. I'm connected to the land. So these ceremonies that we have, uh, like Midday or Big Drum and things oh, like that's, that. Oh, um, that's the real high place to be is a Midday. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not there yet, but I, uh, I honor that. Mm -hmm. I know my grandmothers, they, all, they were all, I think my husband was fourth, fourth degree. Right. Yeah, so that's uh, to that's come. But right. right now you don't. I don't worry about it. I know it might come if it needs to be, right. but right now I am okay the way I am is recognizing my religion, right. yeah. my cultural ways of believing. And that's just the way I am, and just believe in yourself, believe in your spirit name, believe in your clan. That's your religion. Right. Yeah. You know, that's your self-identity. Also, um, if you could talk a little bit about fasting and the importance of fasting okay. for Ojibwe people, especially today, like how do we approach that today? I, I've seen lots of things in my, my days. I've seen people go out for fasting, especially in the springtime. It seems to be the best time for them to go, maybe before mosquitoes, I don't know. Some people will go overnight. That's, that's good enough for me, maybe a child is not really quite ready. I hear that it doesn't have to be four days right away, as long as maybe you could do 24 hours, and then, well, maybe next year I'll do 48, and so on. And then I, um, I hear people talk about, because you don't eat nothing, you don't drink nothing when you're out there. But when my son gets ready to fast, he gives me tobacco. Asham shin minike on he says, beat me while I'm gone. I knew what he was talking about, but I asked him, anyway, how? Do you want me to text you some food? I said, no, put it on the ground. Put some coffee in the, on the ground. I'll, I'll get it. So that's how we feed them, by uh, remembering them, and then just pour some whatever water on, on the ground, and it will get to them. I don't know what you call that. But we, we believe that. When we believe in something, it helps to believe. Right. You don't believe it, of course it's not going to work. So fasting is, uh, it could be one day, it could be two days, three days, 
four days, but I think I heard people say six days they went. Mm -hmm. Six days and that's the ones that have been add, add, add on to it. And as many times as you like, like every year, every other year, the Creator waits for you when you're ready. You know when you're ready. i never been there. I never, well, actually, I fasted in my house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just by not eating and I went 24 hours not too long ago. You can fast anywhere. You can fast at home. You can fast go off the land, off the island somewhere. But you can also do it at home. And anyone can do it. I don't know. I, I shouldn't say anyone. I'm not too sure what diabetics are. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I better not go there because I don't know. But I know children go. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing is, to believe these things, you need to talk to your children as they grow up. Don't surprise them. We're going to go paddling today. Come on, let's go. And then all of a sudden you see them putting their hands in the water. Mm -hmm. My grandma told me, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But before we leave, she used to talk about these things. This is what you cannot do when we're in the canoe. This is what you should do when you're in the canoe. Mm -hmm. Prepare them before mm -hmm. you take them out there. Right. Prepare them for the fast. Prepare them to whatever, that there's going to be something coming to see you. There might even be a bear coming to visit you. Do not be afraid. And mm. It's probably hard to do with your child, right. to say to your child. <laughs> but uh, that's supposed to really mean for something to get a visit from an animal while you're fasting. Yeah. It's pretty hard to ignore it, maybe. I don't mm. know. That is coming back. I can see that, fasting. Right. Yeah. Oh. It happens a lot in our, in our reserve every spring. Mm -hmm. People come and do their fast there. There's a special island there, I think. And people go like tend to go out like to islands to more remote areas just because they'll the animals are more likely to come. I guess visit that's them why. Maybe that's why because yeah. of the animals because the bears are just coming out from fasting too. Right. They walk yeah. around and they look for food. They look for rapids where the fish is spawning. I think maybe that's why they stay, they go on the island. But some of them, they don't, they, they, they just go anywhere. Mm -hmm. The ones that have been there many, many times. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that have that knowledge of that. Nothing's going to bother me because I'm doing this for healing. This is Ojibwe Stories Gaganunanida, a program of Ojibwe culture. Our guest today is Nancy Jones, a respected elder from Nigagunt Siminikonig First Nation near Fort Francis, Ontario. She has worked for many years as a teacher and cultural advisor for schools and language revitalization programs in Ontario, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. We talked a lot about uh, just different topics, but the one thing that was kind of implicit with everything is that as Ojibwe people, you know, we're supposed to be humble. In our conversations before, nothing you've said really says that explicitly, but it's just so, mm -hmm. like, embedded in the things oh, we're yeah, talking I about. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In our modern society, I think it's very much not like that. You yeah, know? I mean, exactly. People, it's, um, the, the whole idea of if you don't know, don't say, people don't do that. Mm -hmm. I think the world is moving so fast on us nowadays. It's uh, sometimes we forget who we are as the, to be humble about how we say things. There's a lot of ways you can be humble about something. It's just um, it's just that <laughs> we don't find time anymore to be mm -hmm. to be there. But uh, we were just taping the 
a little while ago and uh, I was talking about the old village mm-hmm. where um where we we moved we moved from before we moved onto the highway. Mm-hmm. We were so close. Everyone was so humble about things. We didn't have telephone. You see somebody walking over there. Come on over here, can you come and help me out of this? And mm-hmm. you know, and then we get together in the evening, maybe play a, a game and have a lot of laughter. Mm-hmm. That that right now is is not there anymore. Right. It's it's all about I'll text you if I want you to come over. Yeah. I'll phone you or email you. The humbleness is uh I think is kinda laid somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shoved to the side. We forget that uh, we are human. We are connected to each other. doesn't matter the color. We need to come back and be more uh, meaningful to each other, be right. friendly to each other, be helpful to each other, talk our children to be humble. Mm-hmm. But there don't seem to be enough time for that. They, they're always rushing to go somewhere to do something, to grab something so they can do this. Mm-hmm. I think we need to uh, we need to kind of open up to our, our children a little bit. I've been asking my reserve to get the elders together so we can talk about these things. Yeah. How did how did we lose them? Where did we put them? Mm-hmm. We didn't lose them. They're here, but it's it's just that we forgot them somewhere. We shoving them somewhere. Yeah. I mm. think we need to come back to our, um, our real way of life, how we could be open to one another, be mm. humble with one another, help one another, teach our children the good way of life. Mm. Forget about your iPad for a while, just listen to me when I need to talk to you. Yeah. I think we need to do that. We need to be uh, teach our children how to be humble, good person. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can answer that one. Mm. But it's here. We, it's not gone. It's here. Right. All we need to do is uh, pick it back up. Uh-huh. Pick it up just like the native language. We need to pick it back up. Some people say my language is dying. It's not, the language does not die. Mm-hmm. It's here. We just It's you that forgot to pick it up. Yeah. But you can still pick it up. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but uh, something came to mind this morning and I was waking up, I was thinking about here, mm-hmm. what we're going to be doing today. Is uh, the, way we, um, the way we cheat, we treat our children today, mm. we seems to have, um, we seems to lost our, uh, our loving ways of how we teach them, how we talk to them. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, I was never, I don't remember being spanked or uh, pulled by her arm, can't do this. Right. We have a summer camp with our children on our reserve every summer. And what I see a lot there is, uh, well, fathers and mothers, they want to be, they want to be helpful to their, don't do that to their kids. And Come on, don't do that. It's time out. Come on, it's time out. Mm-hmm. And I shake my head. I don't think time out is a good word to, especially maybe a smaller child. Right. I think time in is good. I don't know if I talked to you about it. Mm-hmm. 
When I was a kid, I was always told, come on, it's time in. She didn't use time out. So she'd tell me, she'd go, sit over here, I want to talk to you. This is why you shouldn't do this. This is this can happen, that you can hurt or you can hurt yourself, you know. She real nice way she would talk to me about why I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Instead of, come on, it's time out, go in a tent, go stay there until you know how to behave. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, a parent should take the child, it's time in. Mm-hmm. Time for you and me to go have just a little talk. Mm-hmm. I think we should change time out into time in. Mm-hmm. Because time out is not, it, it scares the child, it right. hurts the child's feeling. Mm-hmm. Time out. Come on, it's time in time. Mm-hmm. Let's go have a cup of tea, you and I will talk. You know? <laughs> I think that's um, a good theory I passed out on at the daycare center and we have a daycare over there and I said, oh, that's a good one, you know, mm-hmm. they were saying and, you know, we need to, we need to, we need to know, we need to show our children how much we care mm-hmm. as a parent. We love them, that's why we want to take time in with them. Well, that's probably like half the time or more, that's what they're probably trying to do is just get our attention, yes. you know. Yeah, so. that's what they're doing, but... The harsh way? No, let's do uh, it in a loving way, yeah. you know. Let's do it in a loving way. Well, they do get their attention. Yeah. But sometimes a, a child sits there and says, Oh, jeez, I should have been swimming right now. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm bad, you know. Yeah. But when my grandma talked to me, time out and time in. Okay, you can go back out. You know you, you're not, you, you can't do You know you're not supposed to do that anymore. So I felt yeah. good. Yeah. But the way she talked to me, and is, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore because I want to swim, you know. Yeah, so it's, um, I think I just wanted to mention that one. It's yeah. a good theory to yeah. see young people, young parents nowadays, or daycare, school, or somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our guest Nancy Jones for sharing her stories with us. This is Ojibwe Stories Gagadunida. I'm your host, Eric Reddix. To listen again to past episodes of the program online, visit the programs page at KUMD.org and click on Ojibwe Stories. Funding for Ojibwe Stories Gagadunida is provided in part by the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council and by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Ojibwe Stories Gaganunida is produced by KUMD and the Tribal Sovereignty Institute at the University of Minnesota Duluth, home of the American Indian Studies Department, which now offers an undergraduate minor in Ojibwe language. More information at d.umn.edu.